0: Welcome back to the Describe Your World podcast. This is episode 15, and today I'm joined with my colleague and friend, Andre. Um, Andre is a developer, and we work together in our uh, little world of IT, so I'm sure we'll get into that a little bit. Um, He's an expert in all things NFTs, collectibles, Logan Paul, Jake Paul, every Paul. So (laughs) I'm sure it'll be some inspiring conversation to to come out of the episode and excited looking forward to it. Um, how are you feeling Andre?
1: Feeling good. Excited to have this chat.
0: Yeah. How was, how was the, uh, we talked briefly before recording about working. How was the work week as a whole just kind of relaxing still?
1: Yep. Going very good. Uh, loving being a, a developer and, uh, you know, working with Power BI, SQL, a bunch of different, uh, coding languages, so it's going great.
0: Yeah, things that I am not good at. So that's that's the beauty of IT is you have so many arms and branches that, you know, one person could be good at networking and that would be totally different from what something that I do, like GIS. So uh it is a fun industry and challenging industry, but at least there is a lot of opportunity for people to really flex their skill set. So that's a good thing. Um, so what I like to normally do with guests is just kind of start out by letting you take the lead a little bit and talk about your story, um, say as much as you'd like to about where you come from and, and how you became who you are. And I'll kind of bounce some questions off from there as we go. Okay.
1: Um, so I guess we can start with, um, you know, I'm an immigrant to America, so I was born on the Azores Islands, which are some islands off of Portugal, kind of like in the middle of the Atlantic. Um, And I was there, I was about three, and then I moved to America with my mom. So she separated from my dad, and then I went with my mom to America where she got education, got a job over here, and been living in Charlotte, North Carolina for, let's see, about 22 years. So I would consider myself, you know, a North Carolinian or, you know, a Charlotte uh, native because it's been so long. Um, Yeah, so growing up, um, you know, I've heard that it was kind of tough in the beginning trying to learn new language, get acclimated to new culture, that sort of thing. Um, But then... I'd say growing up, I didn't really have too many challenges um, besides that, you know, pretty standard. I wasn't too bad at school, um, like a B, sometimes A student, pretty average. Um, always been a, a gamer, so uh, my mom would always, you know, give me video games and stuff as long as I kept my good grades, so, um, you know. That was one one driving factor for me. Um, And then once I graduated high school, went to UNCC, studied computer science, Um, that was fun. (laughs) Definitely liked the the social side of college. Um, And I'd be interested to kind of hear what you have to say about college and like the value of it because What I think is I kind of don't think a lot of the stuff I learned in college kind of necessarily helped me get a job. I think it was more so getting my degree kind of show that, you know, you have that hardworking ethic to spend four years in college, um, you know, learn some things and, you know, you know, put the time and effort um so when you get a job they can kind of see that you know you're a smart person so that, that's kind of the value I think I got most from college um because when I started at ORC doing help desk you know I didn't learn anything about help desk in college that was all just me you know learning about computers on my own just having like a, a natural you know um, interest in it. So, um, yeah, I'd be interested to hear what you have to say about that. Do you think your English degree helped you get a, a job at <laughs>
0: Um, I don't know. I have mixed feelings about college as a whole. I think, I think that my English degree makes me a good communicator. I think that my English degree does have, you know, it enhanced my skill set in a way so that I can um, express myself to people in a very specific way and I still am very passionate about literature and being creative And part of GIS part of what I do involves creativity and sort of um, sort of adapting on the fly and things like that. but I'll, I'll kind of share a little bit of a personal anecdote to answer your question and and you can sort of bounce off of that if you want. So I went to a very small, um, private university in Larnberg, North Carolina, about 600 kids in, on a good year. So very, very tiny. And um, as a liberal arts college or a liberal arts university, really what they want to teach you with the curriculum is how to think. Not so much about English, not so much about computers or Uh, philosophy or religion or whatever, but really just how to think critically and, and adapt to a lot of situations. So one of the teachers there, um, I don't, I don't know if I want to share his name or not. I won't for the sake of privacy. I won't share his name. One of the teachers there gave a lecture, uh, that I attended one on one day. They had like a little series of lectures and he said he had a student who moved out to California and he went to do a job interview out in California. And part of that story was that there were 50 people in the room that were eligible candidates for this job and 50 people who knew a lot of stuff about like one specific thing. And then this student who came from St. Andrews didn't have the same degree of knowledge about that specific topic, but had enough intelligence and enough adaptability that he could succeed in a variety of situations. And that's why he was the best candidate. And that's why he was selected. So I think that what college does is sort of amplifies all of your interpersonal and um, all of those interpersonal skills that are required to thrive in a work environment. Um, And on the other side of that coin is I think that spending one hundred and twenty thousand dollars on a sheet of paper isn't always the best path for a person. You know, I don't I don't think that a bachelor or master's degree is required to be successful. Um, but would I have gotten the job without my English degree? Probably not, to be honest. I think part of getting the job was the connection I have to one of our other colleagues who went to the same university and just being a stronger communicator and having good responses to questions. So yes and no. You know, what do you think? Do you think that Do you think that college is going to enhance a candidate's viability in every situation?
1: Well, obviously, you know, if you're a doctor, you got to go to (laughs) medical school. I mean, you can't just like learn on the internet how to be a doctor, but, um, so it depends, I guess what, um, what field you're in. I mean, for computer science, like you can learn everything online. I think going to college for that, it's kind of just to like put you in the classrooms and like really like focus you, which a lot of people need. But I think it's definitely a field where you can kind of, uh, if you have the, um, you know, the drive to learn and you can just go to YouTube every day and, you know, spend six hours learning stuff, then you can easily, um, you know, get a job just from, you know, the stuff you learn. now will people hire you just based off you know what you say you know that's a different you know it's a different thing because at least when you have a degree that's you know you at least you know pass some tests during your your four years of college and you know you put that hard work in to get that sheet of paper and that's kind of like the um um what's the word Not like a reference but like a it's like a vouch for your your work ethic and you know your knowledge where if you do it the other way it's kind of just you you know vouching for yourself which an employer may not you know believe that as well uh so yeah that's that's what i think
0: my my problem is i guess obviously stem fields are really big so like technology medicine Um, All those, anything related to, like, uh, modernity in general, like, um, arts-related degrees and education-related degrees, they really kind of fall behind when it comes to, like, pay and, like, value in the workforce. And it's weird because teachers and artists, um, you know, musicians or audio engineers or uh, creative minds, like, editors, writers, people like that, you know, they make lower pay on average than people in STEM fields. But if you think about it, they work so much harder for that skill set, right? Because in the STEM field, like you can go on YouTube, I can go on YouTube and learn how to build a computer in a couple of days, probably, and do a really good job building one. But if I wanted to go do something like my wife does, like work in the ICU as a nurse, I would need like six to eight years, a much more powerful stomach than I currently have, way more resolve and patience. Like it's, you know, it's just way harder. So I agree that there are careers that you would need that higher education. Um, otherwise you'll fail. You know, you just can't do it without that time. But it is yeah. weird because like my mother, she's been teaching for 25, 30 years in private schools and she makes very, very little money. Um, and I mean, it's, it's an extremely valuable position. She's training children that are eventually going to be like leaders in society and in the workforce and things like that. But it's just not, the pay is not even comparable. And then obviously you have athletes who make millions and millions a year and they play a couple hours a week on a Sunday or, or what have you. So, um, it is confusing for me to think about some of that.
1: So in conclusion, let's kind of, kind of conclude. Are we saying don't go to college or do you go to college?
0: (laughs) I don't know. Um, I, I'm going to always be in favor of college because I think there are experiences that you can't get unless you go to college, like networking, building relationships, um, furthering yourself from a social perspective. Um, I think that college is a unique experience that everyone should have. And I will definitely be encouraging my kids to at least try it and go, but yeah, um, definitely not for everybody. It's, I think that you could definitely find a lot of unique situations where it's not super important.
1: Yeah. And just to, uh, bring back something you said earlier about the, uh, student loans. Um, I think it kind of does <clears throat> depend on that a bit where it kind of depends on your situation. Like for me, I got through pretty lucky. I got like the full financial aid when I went through college cause I have a single mother. So that kind of automatically gets you the, uh, the maximum amount. Um, and then, so, the, the most costly year was my freshman year because I lived on campus. Um, so I had the meal plan, lived in like the cheapest dorm, but still super expensive. Um, now I don't regret it because that's where I met like a bunch of my best friends. And then from there, after, um, meeting people, um, we got an apartment together, which was way cheaper. Um, and then, um uh, my mom kind of helped me out with like rent and stuff, and then by the end, I mean, I had less than ten thousand student loans, so pretty lucky, and um, you know, hopefully that's going to get forgiven. So, we'll <laughs> see. I know that we're not in the uh, courts right now, but I'm hoping yeah. like I'll pretty much get almost a free uh, free education.
0: Yeah. I mean, I have a similar experience. I mean, for me, when I, I did my first two years at Tech College, so I was able to get FAFSA and FAFSA covered my two years for my like general ed stuff. Yep. And then when I transferred out, I was able to get enough scholarship and enough um, programs that really chopped down my final bill pretty substantially. And then through work study and through help from my mom in different situations, I was able to take care of the rest that by the time I had my bachelor's, there was just zero. There was nothing left. So I think that's a really rare situation, though. I don't think that a lot of people can say they have that opportunity. Um, but, yeah, if, if FAFSA is there and you have you have high enough grades that there's financial aid available, 100%, take advantage of it. Like, don't, don't uh, squander that because it, it's, it's real money. It's really valuable.
1: And like you said, work-study. I also did work-study all four years of college. Um, First, I was like an office assistant. I think I did that for like a semester. And then I got like my kind of longer-term job on campus, which was working at the library, which I did pretty like, um, it was a pretty chill job, like, um, you know, rearranging books, doing like inventory on books, stuff like that. And it paid pretty decent i think i can't remember i think it was around ten dollars an hour so not bad mm-hmm. for you know, a job on campus um and then i also had like another office job it's like a, a summer thing so definitely if you can get um financial aid and do a work study you can definitely you know get through college a lot cheaper than i feel like the media makes it out to be like they always make it out like you know hundred thousand student debt, which is crazy. Like I probably wouldn't have gone to college if that was going to be the case because, you know, even if you get a job after college, you'll be struggling to pay it off for such a long time. Um, but yeah, got lucky.
0: <laughs> so I'm, I'm curious because you, you mentioned it a little bit earlier um, when you talked about, you said you came over here when you were three, right? So three years old. So you don't have that many memories from before North Carolina, I'm assuming. Um, no, not at all. Okay. So you would, so somebody says, you know, Hey, where are your roots? You would just say you're a North Carolinian, you're a charlatan all the yep. way. <laughs>
1: now, I Did, um, go to visit my dad's side of the family from probably like three to like middle school, maybe, um, so I did get to experience that culture a lot more going back there, um, seeing the family, um, and it's a, it's a beautiful place, the Azores. Like the beaches, so nice. Like I mean, it's an island, right? So the food, uh, lots of seafood, um, the architecture, really nice. So, um, and I think I think my mom was telling me the other day it's kind of like considered the European version of Hawaii. Because, hmm. like you know how the United States is like here, but then you got all the way over here in the middle of the ocean, you got Hawaii. It's the same thing. You got like Portugal on the um, on the end of Europe, but then in like the middle of the Atlantic, you've got uh, the Azores.
0: So, what is your What's your favorite thing about your um, your heritage or or the culture from whence you came that maybe you would like to explore more?
1: Um. I don't know like like what what do you mean by I mean you
0: said you you spent a little bit of time with family and, and did a little bit of exploring to kind of understand better you know your dad's side of the family is there anything that maybe is different from Charlotte or North Carolina that you wish you had more of or that you'd like to understand more I don't know
1: so from my memories it was quite a while ago I know soccer is really big over there obviously um especially for, for Portuguese people in general because, um, you know, we have Cristiano Ronaldo, the best, you know, one of the best soccer players in the world who's Portuguese. So I feel like that makes almost everyone who's Portuguese a, a soccer fan. Um,
0: <laughs>
1: shame what happened in the World Cup, though. We, uh, we lost to Morocco in the uh, quarterfinals, but, but always, always next World Cup. Um, yeah.
0: Four years, so, not too long.
1: I <laughs> know. Yeah. Um, besides that, um, see, one fond memory I have uh, from being there is they have, like, sort of carnival up in, like, the uh, the uptown. I remember going to that, and they have, like, different, kind of, like, Portuguese foods, Portuguese games, like, they'll have, like, art, and it's, like, a bunch of, um, bunch of tents and stuff, so... I remember that as being like a, kind of like a cool thing they had there. Um, Yeah. The architecture is just super cool. Like very unique. Like, so they have like these white buildings, but they're kind of like old stone buildings. It's
0: like pretty unique. I think. Camera. Yeah. It's trying to focus. There we go. Now we can see.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Really pretty. Has like these, like kind of like white paint, but they're like kind of stone. So, this is like the uptown of uh Punta Delgada, which is the uh the island I'm from. Okay, the Azores is an archipelago, which is like seven islands, I think, or maybe there's nine, I can't remember. But um, uh, San Miguel is actually the island I'm from, and then Punta Delgada is the city, so that's uh, that's where that picture was from.
0: Yeah, the thing about Charlotte that frustrates me and other places in North Carolina, but specifically developed places, is that for anybody who's watching or listening, if you're in a place like Charlotte, they hate old buildings. You know, if there's something that's old, they destroy it, and then they build something new. It's like it's very rare that things get reused, (laughs) so we don't have a lot of extremely old buildings. you know, examples of architecture from what things looked like a long time ago. Now, South Carolina, where I was born and raised, is a lot different. South Carolina, older things, older houses, older buildings often are, like, restored or, or preserved. Um, but around Charlotte, new is always better. So there, yeah. there are very few places where you can go and see, like, traditional architecture or, like, old um trying to think of what they would be called, but like older houses and things like that. So it is frustrating because I think old things should be appreciated and preserved. And there are cities and towns like the one you're discussing that, you know, when you see them, it's, it's almost like you get that glimpse of time, you know, the way things used to be. So yeah, it's a shame. <laughs>
1: yeah. That reminds me of something funny on. Um... So I forget if I said it earlier, but I went to UNCC, University of North Carolina at Charlotte, um, and they would always say UNCC stands for Under Construction Constantly. <laughs> <laughs> they're always building something there. There's always there are orange traffic cones where they're like building like a new building or street or something. So yeah, yeah that... and
0: Charlotte. Charlotte's weird because Charlotte is kind of uh, separated off into different uh, regions and parks. It's, it's like Charlotte, it kind of swallows up everything around it. If you're in the suburb, you're just kind of still in Charlotte for a long, for quite a while. Um, we have like Matthew's Indian trail, Fort mill, rock Hill, and even places in South Carolina are all just kind of swallowed up by it. But Charlotte itself, we kind of identify with these little monikers and nicknames. So I would say what you're talking about would be university to me. I just call it university because that's the area, you know, over there with the school and anytime I've ever been in university, it's always a road's being rebuilt or a building's being rebuilt or something's being planted or, you know, it, there's is never a time when there's not construction.
1: <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Don't have to tell me about that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so you're, I mean, I guess I'm not going to say too specifically like the area you're in, but then South Charlotte's kind of different because South Charlotte's very developed and it's, um, It's already kind of gone through all of that rigorous construction. There are a lot of really modern buildings and places, a really upscale area. Um, so what do you think in contrast now where you live, do you enjoy it a lot more just kind of being in a developed area?
1: Yeah. So I'm like kind of by Pineville. So yeah, it's it's like a really nice area. And, um, I feel like the university area is definitely prone to more crime, just the Mm college atmosphere and um, just not as nice up there but down here i feel like it's very nice and feel safe and all that
0: and you're a dog dad so you can go walk your dog <laughs> yep what uh, we I remember it was a, it was a while back, but I remember when Andre got his dog because he would make cameos in our IT meetings, and he would kind of show up and, and bark or run around. And a yeah. lot of times you'd have him cage. I actually, visited uh, one time over at the uh, area where Andre stays. I met Lambo, and Lambo was very excited to have a friend to meet and play with. So that was fun. Um, I don't know. I just I can't see it. Like I think if I got a dog that was like twenty five years old, I'd be happy because he would just kind of sit there. But if I had to raise him from like puppyhood all the way through, I'd be extremely irritated.
1: (laughs) Yeah, but at least working from home, you get that kind of time where you don't have to like go to work and you know gets to be in the cage all day. Mm -hmm. I think that was one thing that kind of sucked about when I first got him because I think I got him kind of. 2020 or yeah 2020 around February right before COVID so um I still had to keep him in the cage and he would go crazy and like um actually I didn't have him in like a crate in the beginning I had him in this kind of like tent thing and he just he's such a rough dog that by the time I got home the tent would be like flipped over he would like run around in the tent like a hamster ball it was so funny (laughs) <laughs> um, but yeah once we kind of moved to working from home game like a lot easier just to like you know he didn't have to stay cooped up like I could just always be there to like you know do any training he needed or he needs to go outside you know all that stuff so um, that's good now the only bad thing that came from that is now he is like super attached to me. Like Mm -hmm. if I leave the house, he starts barking, he gets like anxious. So um, yeah, it's the only bad thing is now he's too attached.
0: (laughs) I don't know. It's still fun. And I, I thought about getting a pet for a while. Um, There was a period where I thought about getting a cat or a dog just to keep in the house, just to have more life around me. But again, just the time that it takes to train them and the attention that they require kind of, kept me from pursuing it. Um, I think a cat might be slightly easier cause the cat can kind of fend for itself, but dogs are, dogs require a lot. They, um, they we had dogs, I had dogs growing up and, and we always had them like tethered or in cages outside and things like that. There was a really cold winter when we had gotten a new puppy. And my mom finally conceded to bringing him in because I think she even felt bad for him because it was so cold. Um, So we kept him in the kitchen in a cage until it warmed up. And, um, but yeah, it was the only time. But dogs always required a lot of time or they would just whine and be upset and feel really isolated. So it almost seems like, you know, a good environment. You know, COVID did cause a lot of problems, but. It is a good environment for a pet owner to really focus in and and train the pet.
1: Yeah. I mean, especially when they're a puppy, it's so difficult. They're like peeing everywhere. They're chewing on (laughs) everything. I know Lambo chewed through so much stuff, like the most random things, um, like laptop chargers destroyed because of him, like um, just random stuff. I think you could get a dog, but what I would recommend you do, if you don't want to go through all that is get like a three-year-old dog who's Mm -hmm. already trained, like potty trained, house trained, crate crate trained, all that stuff. And then it's kind of just like, once you get them kind of used to living in your house and to you, um, you know, it's pretty easy. They're very chill.
0: Yeah. Yeah. They're nice. I mean, I think I like dogs more than cats. I just don't like the require the work requirement with dogs. Um, Maybe we'll get some fish at some point. We'll get an aquarium and throw some fish in and let them swim around.
1: (laughs) Um, And actually, I'm saying that, um, you know, the three-year-old is kind of the best uh, age to get them at from my mom, who actually just got a dog. She um, adopted it from another family because they they had a baby, and then the baby was allergic to the dog, so they had to get rid of the dog. So my mom took it in and she's just like super sweet. Her name's Chimmy and she looks just like Lambo, actually. I have, Let me see, I think I can show you a picture. Um, Let's see, where's a good one. This one's not perfect, but I got a, a Polaroid for Christmas. So I took some Polaroids. Oh, nice. You can barely see her, but um, it's been, like, kind of nice, Lambo having, like, a buddy. Um, and they kind of didn't get along at first. Um, but once they kind of got used to being in the same room, um, now they actually get along. And it's, it's pretty nice that, uh, you know, Lambo's got a buddy. That hmm. I, can, I can bring them with me whenever I go to my mom's house, and they can, uh, they can play with each other.
0: Are you... Um... I don't know if it's related. So, in my mind, it's related, but maybe it's not. Are you? Do you tend to be more introverted, more quiet, more kept to yourself than more like extroverted, expressive?
1: Yeah, I mean, I feel like that's most IT people as well. <laughs> We're introverted, we just want to like work with our computers and not other people. <laughs>
0: that's interesting. So yeah. I, I think. You know, if somebody were to ask me five years ago, I would have said 100% introvert, all the qualities of your classic like man cave, like dwelling guy who wants to just kind of be alone. But if you were to ask me today, I might say I'm an extroverted introvert because I do have the capacity to interact with people. You know, if I'm around a group of people that I like and I'm familiar with, I'm pretty expressive. Um, but I do, I do agree that there's some type of like inside joke for it dudes, like whatever reason, it people just tend to be the shelled up quiet kind of, now I will say we have a couple of coworkers that in, when we're hanging out at like group events, work events, they're a lot more extroverted than we are, but I think it tends to be the case that it people are, are more on the introverted side.
1: Yep. And I think that also kind of applies to gamers too. feel like a lot of it people are gamers and then gamers kind of just like pull up in their house and just play video games all day so that kind of like probably feeds into it too
0: i guess to piggyback on that a little bit you're talking about video games um and you did mention that as part of your childhood like a fairly large part something that motivated you to do well what were some of the games that were really big and, and sort of influential when you were little
1: Okay. So definitely Pokemon. I remember I had the, um, I think my first like game console was, um, the game boy color and it was the yellow Pikachu one. Um, so I had, I can't remember what Pokemon I had on that, but it would have been whatever the, uh, the first like game boy color one was. I think it was probably either yellow or maybe gold or silver. Mm-hmm. Um, But, yeah, I definitely have fond memories of that. And then, let's see, I also played, like, Tetris on the the Game Boy Color. Um, And that's kind of where my love for gaming came from, was starting at, like, an early age with it and then kind of evolved into, like, a bunch of different consoles. So I remember one Christmas I got the PS2. And then that was kind of, like, I would say the first, like, um, like big console, not like a, a portable thing, like the Game Boy, but like something you can plug into the TV was the PS2. Um, and then I think I also started to get like the, the what was it? The, uh, the Game Boy Advance and then the DS. Um, and then I kind of stayed with Sony. So I got like the PS3 and then the 4 and now I've got the 5. Um now i've got the switch so i would say i'm definitely like a nintendo and sony guy i don't think i've ever owned a, a microsoft console hmm. um and then i would say the one other big like transformation was after high school um i worked an internship where i saved up all of the money from it to build a pc so that's how i got into pc gaming and then I continue to like upgrade the components in that PC. Um, the one I have now, I don't even think I have any of the same components, but it's kind of like transformed over the years where I put like something new here, something new here until it became like a completely like, nothing was the same anymore. Um, but yeah, it was definitely, uh, one thing that's cool about that is when I built a PC in high school um, or after high school. I kind of did it on a budget where I didn't have too much money to spend on it. So I was kind of like trying to pick the best parts for the budget and get like the most bang for my buck for like video games. Um, but now I have, you know, like a real job and I can put like real money into it. So now I've got like the state of the art specs. I got a, a 4090, which is like the, the most expensive graphics card right now and it does like 4k hdr 120 hertz like like if i could show the way i game now to me as a kid um i mean like me as a kid would just go like crazy of like <laughs> how like detailed it is and like the frame rates and like the video games that come out nowadays like it's pretty awesome like i feel like i'm so like jaded to it now, where I'm like kind of just so used to like the quality that, like it doesn't make as big of a difference to me but now. Now that I'm like so used to it, but if I showed it to me as like a kid, I know like it'd be unbelievable. So,
0: yeah, yeah. I, I I definitely can relate a bit to the like Nintendo head kind of thing. I've always been Nintendo's always been part of my gaming experience. I think. I remember the n N6- I actually remember the Super Nintendo. I had several Super Nintendo games. I had N64 games. When I got a GameCube, that was a game changer, if you'll pardon the pun. The GameCube really changed a lot because that is where I built like my first library of games and really tried everything that there was to play. I did have a PS2 for a long stretch. That that console just lived and lived and lived. I mean, even when PS3 stuff started coming out, PS2 was still rolling. Um, and it might've been eight or nine years before they stopped making PS2 games. And then I got a 360 and then an Xbox one, and I've kind of stayed on this, the Microsoft trend. Um, but the switch is a lot of fun. The switch has a lot of cool stuff. I think I wasn't as big into the Wii as a lot of people were because I didn't care that much about motion control and the Wii, uh, the Wii U was kind of a flop. I mean, it had a couple of important games. I keep mine just for Zelda, um, but the Switch is pretty cool. The Switch is a good console despite its graphical limitations. And I'm sure Nintendo will produce something in a couple of years that'll be really bad graphically, but it'll have some niche thing that'll be better than everybody else.
1: I feel like Nintendo's success has always been with the exclusives. Like, you don't really care about, like, how good the graphics are on it. It's just, like, they've got Pokemon,
0: Mario,
1: <laughs> um, Zelda, like, all of those, like, Top tier gaming franchises that literally everybody knows. Like you can go to anybody, show them, you know, uh, Pikachu or like Link from Zelda or Mario, and they'll know who that is. So I think that's where Nintendo's excelled is: building those like really good franchises and then not giving it to anyone else. Just be like, if you want to play this, you get the Switch, <laughs> you get the Wii or whatever.
0: Yeah, like, I mean, that's the thing, too. I don't care if we're playing on a 360p console. If it's a new Pokemon game, I'm buying it, you know, and that's the thing that they have really done successfully is built dependable, long-term, sustainable franchises with characters that people love. You know, as long as Charizard's in the game, I don't care how bad it looks. I'm still going to give it at least a try. So, and that's that's true about Mario. And, and every Zelda game, I'm going to at least try it. Like, I have Breath of the Wild. I put some time into it. Um, don't play it consistently, but at least I bought it, you know, and that's what they're going for is, you know, sustainable long-term stuff. I can't think of very many Sony or Microsoft exclusive characters, at least that, that have a lot of value, like Marcus Phoenix, Gears of War. I think of that, um, Solid Snake, oh. sure. There are a couple of those, but, um, and even with like Sega, like Sonic the Hedgehog, but it's, it's few and far between. Whereas with Nintendo, it's like a dozen characters. Yep.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And another thing that Nintendo's really good at is portability. No other, um, you know, Sony or Xbox, they really don't have the portability. I don't even know if they have a a portable console. Do they?
0: Oh, you got PSP, but I mean, it was a long time ago.
1: Yeah. Like they never followed that up with like, you know, something that's portable now. So they've always had, you know, the Game Boy, the DS, the switch now, um, so that's definitely something that that's helped them as well as, you know, if you want to play, you know, video games on, you know, a plane ride or, you know, maybe sneak it to work or something like. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and it's it's cool, too, because the switch is essentially a tablet and, you know, it runs with tablet tablet specs. It acts and behaves. You dock it with docking stations that you can connect your computer to. It works the exact same way. Uh, when they released the Switch OLED, they beefed up the port, the screen. They made the screen better, higher resolution. So, I mean, it's it's really brilliant the way that it's all set up because mobile and portable games are are what people are playing now. That's what people care about. It started years ago with stuff like social media games, and now we have, like, gotcha games, which I'm sure we'll get into, and and stuff like that. So Nintendo is capitalizing on the you know, stuff like Pokemon Go, the current market is just pull it out of my pocket, play it, put it back, and and then look through Facebook or something. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yep. Um, I don't know if we want to transition yet, but I think one really cool thing is this year for games is going to be nuts. There's so many cool games coming out this year, whereas the past, like, I would say three years because of COVID, kind of been in like a drought. Like we've gotten maybe like one or two games that were like pretty good, like each year, but this year is just going to be sacked. Um, so let me, let me look up 2023 games. So one game that I'm super excited about that comes out in February is Hogwarts Legacy. Have you heard about mm-hmm. this one? Yep. So I've always been like a huge Harry Potter fan. So this is like the game where you create your own character and it's like you're a student at Hogwarts and you're going to the classes, learning magic, exploring around the castle. And from what I've heard, there's like a huge map where you can like also like explore um like the grounds of the castle and like uh, um, Hogsmeade, which is like the village, um, Diagon Alley, where you got all the shops and the bank, like. I can't wait. Like I'm probably going to take like a couple days off work just so I can fully immerse myself in that game. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. I, we just, um, Catherine and I just watched the entire hog, our, Harry Potter series again for Christmas because they are Christmas movies. People can argue with me if they like, but they're Christmas movies. So we watched all of them um, and we have different rankings and our different opinions on which Harry Potter movies we think are the best. I also, I've read most of the books. I didn't finish the book series, but I read like four of the books. Um, So I do have a pretty strong sense of that world and JK Rowling and everything. Um, so I am curious since we're here, uh, what is your Hogwarts house and what is your Patronus? Uh,
1: I don't know. Like, I, I'm not exactly sure. Like I've done the test on like the, uh, the website, Mm -hmm. but I've also done it like multiple times and I get like multiple different houses. (laughs) So I feel like the one that I get placed in the most is Gryffindor. But I don't Mm -hmm. feel like I would be a Gryffindor. I'm not sure. I feel like I would be kind of more of a Ravenclaw, or maybe a Hufflepuff. Hmm. I'm not sure. Um, I feel like Ravenclaw well, would be cool because my favorite color is blue, like so get to wear the blue robes. Um, and then that's also kind of like the smart, the smart people are in that house. So I feel like that kind of. Um, I mean, I feel like I'm pretty smart, so I, I would fit in there. <laughs> But then you got like Hufflepuff, where it's like the the strongly loyal and like the um the like the caring people are in like Hufflepuff. So I don't know. Um, what about you?
0: So I I always place the same way. It's never one of those like up for debate type things. Any any Harry Potter related quiz, I'm always going to place Hufflepuff. Um, I've tried changing my answers. I've tried manipulating it. it doesn't work. Um, but the official Pottermore test, I, I always get Hufflepuff, and and I appreciate that response. I think that's very appropriate. I think the sacrificial, loyal, dependable, kind, warm, loving characteristics all flow super well. Um, it's kind of interesting because we were discussing it a little bit when we rewatched the movies, the different characteristics of the different houses. And Catherine really wanted to be a Slytherin. And I was like, you're not a Slytherin. I know you too well for you to be a Slytherin. I was like, you could be a Gryffindor, but you're a Hufflepuff. And, of course, she took the Pottermore test, and that's how she placed, as I told her she would. Um, But it's kind of cool because the four, I guess you would call them the four, but you have Harry, Hermione, Ron, and Neville. And so what's interesting about those four is they all kind of represent different houses in their own way. Like, Hermione's kind of a Ravenclaw because she's brilliant. And Harry's kind of a Slytherin because he's ambitious and power-hungry and things like that. And then Ron's kind of a Hufflepuff because he's, like, the sacrificial, like, dependable guy. And then Neville would be – what am I missing? Gryffindor. Gryffindor, of course. Neville would be Gryffindor because he's brave and ambitious. So, like, it's kind of interesting because the four characters all – Really represent other houses, but then by their own selection, they ended up in Gryffindor. So I think that's kind of a piece of it that Rowling really wants to emphasize is like the sorting hat considers your choice and whatever is important to you. So, um, if you want to be Gryffindor, I guess you could be
1: <laughs> We're not like a horoscope, like all those, like, uh, those qualities could kind of apply to anybody, um, yeah. <laughs> you would probably have like a little bit of each one. So yeah, pick whatever you want. So I don't know what I'm going to pick when I play the game.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it, it may not be that you can pick. I don't know how it's set up, but it may be that you do some type of test or questionnaire or something and it sorts you itself. It's hard to say if it lets you pick though, that would be pretty cool. I think it
1: does. I think like there may be like a quiz, but I think ultimately I think you get to pick. So, okay. um, yeah. Um, so, yeah, super excited for that game. I think um, it comes out right before my birthday, and I always take off time around my birthday. So, definitely taking off time to play that.
0: <laughs> what about like an Elden Ring 2? Are we going to get anything like that?
1: <laughs> yeah, because that came out um, last year, and that actually won, I think it won Game of the Year. Um, at the Gamer Awards, which I agree with. It was a great game and I feel like it was a <laughs> standout game from last year. Uh, except for God of War, which was also really good. It Was kinda in between those two. Those were the two big ones from last year I think. Um Yeah. Uh, what about you? What's your what's your most excited for uh, for next year?
0: I don't know. I'm not really a gamer anymore. It's, I mean, I did um, play Pokemon Scarlet. I started Pokemon Violet. When I have time, I'm sure I'll finish it. And I got Legends Arceus finally, so I can play through that game. Um, I haven't bought video games very much over the past, say five to six years. I've really been investing my time in a lot of other stuff, but I don't know, like open world games are probably the games that I loved the most whenever I was like high school, college level, like a Skyrim and um, anything like quest-based where you could kind of do what you want and play your own style of game. Um, And that's the problem is that I don't have 300 hours to dedicate to a Skyrim anymore or like an Elden Ring. Um, Elden Ring is really interesting too because it takes like the Dark Souls model, but then it translates it to almost like an open world kind of, uh elder scrolls style like lore and story and things like that um if i had the time i would probably play something like red dead redemption i think that would be really cool i think there's like red dead redemption 2 might be the newest one but there's lots of cool dlc like zombies and stuff so i would definitely do something that incorporates like fps in some way but also is very like large story based
1: yeah so i completely agree with you on like struggling to find time to play like, I definitely still find time to play the games, but I'm so bad at finishing games because I'll <laughs> be like, like, I get like, halfway through or like 75% of the way through, but then I'll like kind of like start playing another game, but then I get really into that game, and then I kind of forget about that game, the uh, the previous one, so I'm so bad at that. There's like a backlog. <laughs> that I played halfway through, and I still need to finish, so yeah, I definitely agree with you on that.
0: I just what I do is I I find games that I love. So Borderlands is one of my all time favorites. The whole series, Borderlands one, two, all of them, uh, the prequel, all that. So Bioshock, that whole series, I love very dearly. Um, a lot of the Elder Scrolls titles, Oblivion, I loved Oblivion. Skyrim was really good. So what I do is I just. I wait for them to import the game to like switch or whatever. And then I just keep buying the same game every time they re-release it. And I'm waiting for that golden opportunity to replay it, but then it just never happens.
1: <laughs> All right. Let me, let me inform you of the, uh, the big games coming up next year. So another huge one is the sequel to breath of the wild, which you play that, right?
0: Mm-hmm. So tears of the kingdom, right?
1: Yep, Tears of the Kingdom. So what I'm trying to do right now is beat Breath of the Wild. <laughs> like something I embarked on, like, last year, and I got, like, halfway through the game. But then, like I said, like, I move on to something else. So I, I'm going to go back to that. I'm going to beat it before uh, before I play Tears of the Kingdom. Mm-hmm. That should be pretty good. Um, and Breath of the Wild, one game of the year... Um, the year it came out. So that's definitely going to be a contender next year. Um, so you have. Uh, New Assassin's Creed. Uh, I always play those. I play like literally all of them. So I'm obviously going to play this one. Um, this time. I forget where it takes place. I think somewhere. In the Middle East. Um, hmm. And I feel like. The uh, Ubisoft, the company that makes the Assassin's Creed game, they're kind of trying to get back to the roots of like being more story focused and not so much like open world where it's like there's like a thousand things to do. They want to kind of make it more linear. Um, So I think that's what this is supposed to be. It's kind of trying to go back to like a very like story based linear game. So I think that would be good. Um, What else is there? there's a new Final Fantasy, which I usually play. Those I like the Final Fantasies. Are you into those kind of games, the JRPGs?
0: I played, I played seven, and I know everyone's going to say they played seven, so that's not all that impressive. Um, the games that I loved, the original, the OG uh, Final Fantasy, and then Kingdom Hearts was my big one. So Kingdom Hearts, uh, Kingdom Hearts two, three, five, eight days over two. Uh, Dream Drop, like those are those were my games. So anything JRPG related to Kingdom Hearts, I was I was killing I was killing back in the day.
1: <laughs> Love those games too. Um,
0: let's see what else.
1: There's a new Fire Emblem. I think that's coming out this month. Have you ever played mm-hmm. Fire Emblems?
0: I did buy uh, Three Houses, and I tried, but I was like, I could tell just from the first thirty minutes how big the game was going to be, so nice. I refunded it. <laughs>
1: i think i spent like probably around 100 hours in that game
0: because there's like
1: in that game it's like half the game is this it's kind of the same where it's like the same missions but you choose the uh the different three houses and then the second half of the game um is completely different based off of which of the three houses you uh you pick so it's a very long game you probably made. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, here's a big one. And I think this is gonna be a game of the year contender for sure, it's Starfield. Do you know
0: what this is? I have no idea, that's new to me. (laughs)
1: This is from Bethesda, same development team as Skyrim, Fallout, all those big like open world games. But this one is set in space. So imagine that kind of like, you know, open world Skyrim type of game, but you're going to, like, different planets and, you know, you can customize your ship, you can, like, land on any planet, build a base, um, you know, different factions you're doing quests for. I think that's going to be huge. Like, definitely going to be Game of the Year contender. Um,
0: Sounds like Mass Effect to me.
1: Yeah, could be. I think it's going to be way bigger than Mass Effect, though. This is going to be, <laughs> huge game um what else let's see um, I feel like that's probably kind of the biggest ones there's there's some other games that um like Diablo 4 um a new Star Wars game uh Jedi Survivor which is the sequel to um uh, I forget what it was called um did you play the uh that star wars game where it was like um
0: it was something jedi right i think i remember what you're talking about i played it i can't even remember
1: it it's the (laughs) the guy with the uh the orange hair
0: Um, yeah i I know what the game is i just i can't think of the title but it's like the you know he ends up encountering vader at the end
1: Yep. so it's the sequel to that game so that comes out uh this year um New Street Fighter, uh, Dead Island 2, uh, Resident Evil 4, which I think is a remake.
0: Um, Remade for like the 13th time.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I'm not super into the uh, the Resident Evil. I did like the the last one they made, uh, Seven, which Mm. was kind of like... you know, they had like the castles and like the vampires and the, the werewolves and stuff i thought that was pretty cool um so they're coming out with that um,
0: i will say that one game that i know is coming out this year that i would 100 percent be down to play is the uh remastered dead space
1: okay yep that's on this list too i yep. could never get into Dead space i'm not really a fan of like the horror and stuff mm. That's what it is pretty much, right? It's like a space
0: horror game? Yeah, it's survival horror. It's it's kind of like if you took Silent Hill, but you set it in space and you gave your character a lot of really funky, uh, upgradable tools that you can use to kind of clear the rooms. They're extremely linear. Like, there's, there's always an optimal path to beating and clearing each area. Um, the original ones were extremely buggy, so you could just skip through huge sections of the game pretty easily. And uh, But I loved the entire Dead Space series. So the first one was excellent, in my opinion. I would definitely be down to play a remastered Dead Space. But there was a time when I went through a lot of survival horror, like um, Silent Hill 2 was a really big one that I loved. And uh, Resident Evil Biohazard, that was kind of the one where they kind of changed the formula because originally Resident Evil games were puzzle-based, and then they finally gave us a legitimate first-person shooter, and that was biohazard and people really liked it so now they've kind of maintained that same style but survival horror was a big a big genre for me yeah
1: okay yeah people always say like the dead space games were like so good and i could just never get into them maybe <laughs> maybe i'll play the remake and see how it goes um uh, let me see Let me make sure i didn't miss any big ones i think they're coming out with an avatar game um
0: did you go see the uh, the new movie? I have not learned the way of water quite yet.
1: <laughs> really good. The reviews okay. I feel like didn't do it justice. They were kind of like like a sixty, like seventy percent. Um, and I think that was because people felt like it didn't live up to the first one. But I feel like that's such like a high standard uh, to hit that it was never going to be seen, you know, as good. But i thought it was really good like i mean obviously you know a movie like that it's got like the amazing visuals uh good stories so i'd recommend you go see it it's really good Hmm.
0: all
1: right okay i think i think i uh i hit all the big games so hit the important
0: stuff I don't know. Gaming is interesting. And, and I think, again, it's, my genres are really tied to my own personal interests, which I think is true for everybody. Like survival horror, I love horror movies. Um, there are the open world games like the Skyrims and stuff. Those are really cool because play your own way is always a good a good choice. Um, there were obviously games that let me down, of as course, with anything else. Like I've always loved every Legend of Zelda game. And then Skyward Sword came out and I was like, eh, no, thank you um so i mean you're always going to have a dud at least personally that one was the dud for me um what about like if you gave me like a top five you don't have to give me in order but top five video games that if you could only keep five for the rest of your life which would what would the five be
1: okay so definitely in the top five is witcher three i love that game um definitely one of those games where it's like super long 100 plus hours um of course, yeah, great story open world um and i love the uh kind of like fantasy setting you know like killing monsters you know swords magic that sort of thing which is really big in that game so uh i would definitely put that there um and also they remastered it they just uh remastered it for uh next gen so like ps5 and then also on pc they like improved the graphics for like 4k and ray tracing So I've actually been replaying it for, like, the 10th time or whatever, Uh, but this time on, like, just crazy graphics settings. So that's been really great. Um, Okay, Skyrim. I would definitely put Skyrim up there. Again, you know, open world, fantasy. Um, I remember getting that game for Christmas um, in high school, and I just played it so, 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 so much. Like, probably beat it, I don't know, 10 times, like, (laughs) maybe, I don't know. Um, okay, so then let's see what else. After that it gets kind of hard. I feel like those are like my two big ones. Um, okay, I'm going to put a Pokemon in there. I feel like it wouldn't be fair not to put a Pokemon in there. Uh, Pokemon Emerald, I feel like that's my favorite um, for the, uh, the Game Boy Advanced. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so those three, and then trying to think hmm. um, kind of feel tempted to put like Elden Ring in there maybe I haven't beat hmm. that game so it feels kind of unfair but I feel like I should kind of give that genre some praise just like the kind of like hardcore like Dark Souls um, you know you die like a million times while you're playing it um, so I'll put Elden Ring in there um, I feel like I should go more old school, but I'm not sure. I feel like I've played so many games that sometimes my memory of
0: them—it's
1: uh, <laughs> hard to keep off all those games in my head. Um, I don't know. Do you feel like I'm missing one that's like obvious?
0: Maybe a platformer. You could go for something like. Um... I don't know if you care about platformers though, but I mean, I think if you only get to keep five games for the rest of your life, you have to kind of fill those five out with some diversity. So I feel like you really hit the open world aspect pretty hard with Skyrim. Mm -hmm. Um, Elden Ring is like your nod to like vicious, you know, torture myself kind of games. Um, Pokemon, you've got your like collectible game where you can, you know, replay, play with different teams. Maybe like some type of platformer, maybe some type of sports-related game. I don't know what else you care about.
1: I like strategy games, so I feel like I should put strategy in there, but it's so hard to...
0: Throw Tetris play. in there, right? Because Tetris you could replay a million times.
1: <laughs> yeah, but I feel like Tetris gets kind of boring. It's too, it's too basic. <laughs> I'm going to put okay, Total War Three Kingdoms, which you probably don't... I don't know if you know about the Total War games, do you? No, okay, so it's like a strategy game where they have like all sorts of like different flavors for it. So they have like um, like a medieval version, they have like a Japanese version. Um, pretty much, you are like uh, a general or like a warlord, and you know you are playing as like a faction, and then you go like conquer the castles and like you play out the battles. So you are like moving units here, moving units there. You send out your generals, uh, that sort of thing. So. Um, and then Three Kingdoms is kind of like the Chinese version of it, which I find like really interesting. It's like the um, the Three Kingdoms period of uh, China. Uh, so yeah, strategy game. I'll Put that one in there.
0: I like it. What you? Um, I would do something similar. I mean, I there are games that I would put in just because of the memories, like the just the cathartic kind of nostalgic value they have for me. Um, There are games that I would put in just for excellence. Like I think they're just the highest quality video games. And then there are things that I would throw in that are just, you know, personal passion projects like Pokemon. So, I mean, call of duty Four, the first modern warfare would have to be in it because as far as like story, that's the best story I've ever experienced in a video game period. It was just absolutely fantastic experience and then the remaster version looks beautiful, so I would take it. Um, Bioshock would be in there. Um, Pokemon, I don't know, Pokemon Diamond or maybe Scarlet and Violet, just because I thought they were excellent, would be in there. Um I'd have to put one of the Elder Scrolls games in. I don't know if I would pick Skyrim. I might pick Oblivion because I loved Oblivion as well, and it was a little more tight. It was a little more focused than Skyrim was. Skyrim was just super buggy, and Oblivion felt pretty refined. And then maybe a survival horror game. I mean, I guess Bioshock kind of counts for that too. So maybe something like Borderlands or uh, Kingdom Hearts 2 maybe, because Kingdom Hearts 2 was really what made me fall in love with gaming. You know, that was my first, like, big PS2 game. That was my first big, uh, like, JRPG. So, um, definitely, that would definitely be in it, sure. So, I think Bioshock would represent, like, the survival horror. You would get the RPG factor. You'd get the collectible mobile game. So, I'd be pretty content. I'd have all my bases covered. Man, you're making me rethink
1: my list now because <laughs> Call of Duty was pretty big when I was in high school and like middle school too. Like that's what I would play with all my friends. For me, I think it's hard to pick one, but I actually think I would pick the fifth one, World at War, which is like hmm. the first like World War II game. I love that one. I feel like that's the one where I like kind of fell in love with uh, Call of Duty. Um and then I agree with you on the Kingdom Hearts 2. I also really love that game on the PS2. Um,
0: that um, Sephiroth fight, though.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think when I was
0: young, I couldn't even, like, do that. I probably. <laughs> did that. It's, it's, it's the thing that, like, made me feel like I was a gamer and, like, I had accomplished something. You know, that's the ver- very first time where I beat a boss fight that was a totally optional boss fight where I was like, man... I'm good at games. (laughs) Um, The Kingdom Hearts 2 is my favorite out of the series. Three, five, eight days over two, I still have a deep love for. And a lot of people think that's a hot take. A lot of people aren't about it, but I loved that game. Um, But Kingdom Hearts 2 would be the one I would keep because it was just such a great story. So tight. Characters were great. Music was beautiful. Um, Lots of customization. You can change your fighting style a lot. uh, Different forms. So That was a great game.
1: (laughs) I agree. I think it is the best one. Like, Kingdom Hearts 3 is more modern. Like, the Mm -hmm. graphics are better. And I feel like they kind of made it more polished. And the story is more grand because they can kind of wrap everything together, all the different characters. But, yeah, that, like, nostalgia from Kingdom Hearts 2, I don't think you can beat that. It's too good. Yeah. Um, Yeah.
0: World of War is an interesting one for me because I remember... I remember playing Black Ops the first one. I remember Modern Warfare one and two. Um, I remember Black Ops three was a really huge shift. That game felt like we've like we've entered into a new territory for Call of Duty. When I played Black Ops three, it was like all right, now we're running on the sides of buildings and yeah. doing weird That's stuff. Um, so the World War two setting. I remember playing like the old Medal of Honor games. I don't know if you remember those on PlayStation 2, but the Medal of Honor games were all World War II. And there's something really charming about them. They had like uh, local um, local two-player co-op mode, which was really fun with a friend. You could like friendly fire and no one there was nothing stopping you. Like the game was so uh, loosely built that you could kind of do whatever you want. You could bug the game, falter the world. Um, and I really liked it. I thought it was charming. So interesting take to hear world world at war, uh, World War Two, call of duty fall into the, the whole catalog.
1: Yeah. I feel like that's not usually people's favorites, but that's just the one I have the fondest memories of. Mm. Like people usually pick either modern warfare, modern warfare two or black ops. I feel like mm. those are the big ones. Um, yeah. do you, did you ever in high school, um, have like a computer lab class or like a, any sort of like class where you're on computers and somebody would bring in the like color blue one on a flash drive and then you guys would all have like a land party
0: do you ever do? No. That? so what i the experience that i have that's um <laughs> sort of that is i we didn't have any kind of computer stuff in high school we had typing i had like a typing course that i did Um, I didn't have like intro to computers until I got to like technical college, but I can, I can remember this kid in college. I was in the library, just kind of getting books for a paper and I was on the computer and this kid comes up to me and he throws a flash drive in on the college, like computer and Minecraft started. He launched Minecraft off a flash drive. He's like, dude, let's play Minecraft. And I was like, this is the weirdest experience. Like number one, I don't know you. Number two how did you just launch Minecraft off a flash drive?
1: (laughs) So, so what they have is like for really small games, like the original call of duty or uh, Minecraft, you can literally get like a portable version where you can just put it on a flash drive and then just copy and paste it over to the computer and then just like play it. Mm -hmm. So that's what we would do on computer lab. We would like pass that flash drive around to like everyone's computer and then like copy and paste it. (laughs) to the school computer and then just like get on the LAN party it was so fun we'd have like the whole class playing on it and mm-hmm. like the uh the um I forget what the class was called but like the teacher for that class was like really chill so she didn't care she was like on her own computer probably doing something else and then we were all just like gaming Oh, so, it's a great memory
0: yeah, I mean it's it's cool that you have that experience of gaming with other people. The the ones that come to mind for me, um, I had a few friends when I was younger. We used to play Dragon Ball Z Budokai Tenkaichi 3 on the Wii, and it was so cool because you could do a Kamehameha wave with the Wii mote, and it felt like you were doing a Kamehameha wave. Um, so we had that and. It was so fun. Like, we got so good. I'm convinced we could have, like, played in national competitions and beaten people because we just played it so much and got so good at it. Um, So that's a memory. Um, Obviously, those local player shooters were really fun, too, with people because kind of a unique experience to have it split screen on your TV, whereas now everybody's online. Um, And then Smash Bros. Smash Bros. was a really big one. So have friends come over. We would just play it for hours, especially Melee. Um, Smash Bros. Melee is still beloved by the gaming community um, for good reason. And it was just a hyper competitive, great character lineup. Um, Ran beautifully, still runs beautifully. So those are my memories with like friends and gaming together. I I think those games all kind of take me back.